So it's been a minute uh, since we actually recorded. We backlogged a little bit, so uh, feels good to be getting back into the flow of things. Although yeah, I Gary, actually I know don't you're in... speak when I'm not doing podcasts, so this is the first <laughs> time I've spoken in two weeks. I would think your voice feels would good. be a lot more like crackly and like uh, <laughs> I haven't. Spoken. Oh, I sing. I sing all the time. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's how I communicate naturally. People just probably hear this podcast and assume I'm a normal, normal dude. Oh, obviously. But... Yeah, yeah I'm a that sing dude guy. has perfect pitch. <laughs> um, well, I've had a chance to watch a lot of things in the past uh, couple weeks, um, but I have one thing that will actually help me highlight a couple other things that I've been watching, um, and that is my introduction to Spike Lee. I watched Spike Black Lee. Black Klansman for the first time. Um, I'd never seen a Spike Lee film, which I feel very ashamed about. He's a very influential filmmaker. Uh, and yeah, anyway, Black Klansman was really, really good. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I heard a lot of hubbub, but also just stand alone, just walking into a movie to enjoy a movie. It's great. Yeah. yeah like it's it is just, just a good movie an entertaining movie. And the one thing, the one aspect of it that I particularly wanted to bring up, uh, because it'll help me talk about other things, is the lighting in that movie and some of the like cinematic yeah. choices that Spike I Lee I actually uses. just watched a video about how Spike Lee is one of the few uh, filmmakers to utilize like good lighting on darker skin tones. Yeah. It's like um, really, really, uh, I read something about someone saying like, yeah, they didn't want this actor because for this style of movie being like lit like this it would have been hard because he had a darker skin tone and spike mm. lee's entire filmography is basically like calling that bullshit you know what i mean because it's <laughs> yeah. like he's excellent at using appropriate right. lighting and yeah i'd, I'd been I, I had just watched that movie and uh eva was watching something else and i'd noticed the you know particular things that he did like the collages of just the close-up people on faces like when uh the uh man at the beginning is giving a speech um and there's some really interesting lighting choices there like i noticed that but eva was watching a show called insecure which is another really awesome show i've been watching some episodes with her Ooh, never um, even heard of it uh yeah uh by um isa ray isn't Issa that ray yeah it's a fantastic I can't believe show. I haven't watched this because I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, Issa Rae. Uh, and the cinematographer that she has on her show, her name is Ava Barkovsky, is like renowned in the, in the industry for lighting black skin super well. And I noticed it even more watching another show that we've been watching. Again, I'm sorry. I'm linking all these things. Totally cool. That's the point. Uh Community. We've been watching Community, which is again, I f really, really recommend. Fucking fantastic show. Um, Community but... is one of those Leif shows from back in the day. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> that's a very particular type of show. You and you and Leif uh, back in the day. Um, but uh, Donald Glover and uh, Danny Pudi in that show, uh, Troy and Abed, are they look gray in a lot of like the standard scenes like the lighting is not suited for their skin tone um, totally i i wouldn't have you know i haven't seen the show in long enough to be able to add my own oh yeah i totally actually noticed that but now that you're saying that it's making me think just that can be a major consequence of tv show flat lighting and mm -hmm. uh i remember now that we're even talking about that people criticized get out for having almost tv show cinematography and lighting but in talking about this, there was clearly a lot more uh, thought and effort put into a movie like that, with ha which has so many like scenes that still stick out in my head. It's clearly not just like flat TV show lighting. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. But uh, Community is a great show beyond that. I've watched a few episodes, uh, you know, with Leif, and I need to watch it from the beginning because it's one of those shows that knows... You know, the most of the episodes I've watched were very, very, like, tongue-in-cheek. Like, hey, you've been watching the show for a while, so this is going to be even funnier to you. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Rick and Morty, which can transition me into Another talking game. about what I've watched lately. Ah. Uh, I finally watched season three of Rick and Morty. That's right. It was very good. I kind of, as you know, I was kind of skeptical going in because I was one of those dudes who was showed the show by someone who was like, it's just like sick man he like does whatever he wants 
and then <laughs> watching season three being a commentary on that point of view <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm like right. okay this show is awesome um also a show you got me to watch hannibal or did i did you get me to watch that or do we mutually yeah, eva's been watching that and that's right uh, yeah i've been watching episodes but it's a very interesting show yeah i'm surprised they're able to do some of the things they do on that show like there aren't any there's no nudity or like not a single sex scene in like the whole show that i've noticed oh, but, but then some so of the violence like... is like the most brutal horrific graphic thing i've ever seen this it's like aired on network television yeah <laughs> it's like what yeah i don't have too much to say about the show i haven't finished it i just think it's a wild it's like Especially the formula, like it goes, it's like a formulaic CSI type show, but then it's also like high art. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, so it's pretty good. But uh, I was in need of some more Avatar after the darkness that is that show. It really brings oh, you yeah. down. Oh my so God. I was super glad to be getting back to this episode. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, coming back from our time away, we actually have a, a first for this show. Um, we have a special guest here today who's been uh, kind of communicating with me, uh, having listened to the episodes and having thoughts about the show. And so I asked him if he wanted to uh, come hop on the show. So uh, why don't you uh, let everybody know who you are? Hey, guys. Uh, so I'm Tucker. I'm Calvin's brother. I've uh, okay. been a super big fan of this show. I've known Gary and Calvin. Well, I've known Calvin his whole life, I think. How? How'd we meet? Let me count. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something like his whole life. And I've known Gary since they've been friends, and they've been friends forever. So Eighth grade or something. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. It's exciting to be able to voice my opinions about an episode before I have to respond in outrage to yours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I will say, like, some of your your correspondence has been like, I disagree with this point. (laughs) Um, I mean, a it's, little bit. It's hard because you know you're listening to it and it's exciting, and I, I get so excited about stuff. I'm just I'm kind of a fanboy, uh, yeah. just in general. Uh, so it's hard not to have a dialogue and just listen to someone else's thoughts when you have like a differing opinion and want to say something about it. You know, it's like, oh my god, you guys completely walked over this. You completely missed this whole point, and it's so important. And more than anything, it's just I think you guys do such a good job of talking about some of this stuff that I want to hear you guys talk about this point that I have. I want to bring up the point and hear how you guys sound off of it. Cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. I can't it's think wild. of a better person to talk with us right now. Then you know, like that. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> wild to me that like we even decided to like create a harder like uh boundaries on <laughs> to make shorten it to 45 minutes and we're still right. just like i have so many things that so many more things i feel like i could talk about every episode um yeah. tucker you mentioned your uh fanboyedness i don't know if this is a <laughs> uh <laughs> as good of a segue as i as uh i'm hoping it is but uh, i was trying to plant the seed there a little bit yeah cool you, you have you have something in the works uh want to give a quick uh shout out to that yeah, I do. So in part, I got to say, you know, you guys doing this has kind of inspired me to kind of get off my butt and do something I've been thinking about for a long time, which is make my own podcast. And I had a hard time narrowing it down because I am so enthusiastic about so many different things. And I kind of just decided, well, then why don't we just make a podcast about that? So airing soon, I'm going to be starting a podcast called Film, Food, Fandom and Fun. Or the, Ooh. as I like to refer to it as the F-F-F-Fun podcast. F-F-F-Fun. <laughs> that sounds real fun And uh, Calvin's actually uh, agreed to be my co-host, at least on the first episode. I'm going to do have like a rotating basis. The whole idea of the podcast is to basically cycle through all the different stuff that I just get excited about and have someone who matches my excitement for the particular topic I'm talking about in the episode talk about whatever we're doing. So for the first episode, I'm actually going to have... Uh, Calvin on, we're going to talk about film in general, uh, being both, you know, movies, TV, all sorts of, you know, performance, and then kind of do an overview of the first season of Avatar to do nice. a little, you know, cross promotion. I yeah, love that. Since we're I'm excited to, to hear that. First season. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, I've been, <laughs> this podcast has made me start listening to podcasts, and 
it's our own podcasts that I listen to. <laughs> so, because it's like I have, you know, a pretty good amount of free time that I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll watch an episode of Hannibal and then I'll watch this week's episode of Avatar. I'll listen to last week's episode and then I'm like, all right, I've got another hour. I'm just going to listen to our D&D podcast. <laughs> so I'm glad I now have someone else's podcast to listen to and actually I'll be able to share your feelings of, wait, no, you didn't. You didn't talk about the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we that's definitely uh, going to happen in this episode because there's so much to talk about in this episode. But uh, oh, yeah. God, yeah, and it's crazy because I was like looking at the Avatar fandom wiki page. There's like no trivia for this episode. <laughs> I know it's just it's so weird. episode. That's and all so it is. That I was curious about. Um, but. Uh, Giving our usual introduction, this is A New Lens, a podcast Gary and I here started about Welcome back. film and television and media that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and, uh, you know, amateur filmmakers. And now we've got a new lens entirely with Tucker here. With a, hey uh, It's his new lens. A Bachelor of Psychology? How would I? How would I say your title? I have a Bachelor of uh, Developmental Psychology, which mostly means kids. I specialized in teenagers and focusing on that stuff. I wonder if that's going to be at all relevant in uh, in, in talking about a kids show. <laughs> no, I was just going to say. I wonder. <laughs> Basically, this episode focuses mainly on Aang and the gang getting to the Northern Water Tribe. And when they get there, they are greeted with, like, a warm welcome. Uh, they're excited about how many waterbenders are there. The city is beautiful. It's huge. We meet Princess Yue, who uh, we don't know a ton about, but Sokka definitely is smitten. And then we find out that in the Northern Water Tribe, women aren't allowed to learn waterbending, which is, like, one of the main things that Katara was excited for. And it really, really pisses her off. Because she's told you have to go learn how to heal with the uh, other women. So that that plot line kind of goes. And while it's going, we've got General or Admiral now, Admiral Zhao, deciding, okay, we know the Avatar is going north. We're going to take over. We're going to siege the Northern Water Tribe. And he collects a bunch of uh, Fire Nation troops, including Iroh. And in doing so, attempts to... Uh, blow up their ship with Zuko still on it. Well, recruit he succeeds Iroh. in blowing up the ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we'll talk about what uh, the aftermath of that is. And, oh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of like the whole episode. Um, eventually, Katara gets so fed up, she has to fight. Master Paku is his name. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll get into the outcome of that fight and how our characters grow in this. There's so much uh, honest, like... Not character growth, but like moments that make me realize these characters have grown throughout this episode. Do you know what I mean by oh, that? Yeah. Including Absolutely. even like General Zhao and Iroh. Like everyone has like, okay, I know these guys now. We are at the the final trilogy of the season, you could call it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. The 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 way all of this culminates to uh the ending of this season is so amazing i'm so excited for to talk about the next ones but also this episode is like a perfect transition into this setting that we will have this like uh without spoilers like you know really awesome finale <laughs> for yeah like the first episode of this the show um it was interesting i don't know if this is anyone else's experience uh, or it's just mine from however it works with my dvds and then transitioning to netflix where like you know, sometimes uh, it doesn't show the intro automatically, which pisses me off because you got to hear guitar every Dude, single time. Me too. I always rewind. Um, <laughs> but there was previously on Avatar on this one, and it it summed up so much, just so much. Like Katara's healing, like the entirety of the relationship of Zhao, Zuko, and the Blue Mask, and Zuko's. Uh, like the stakes for Zuko, like there's that audio clip of him saying, which I pointed out, like that sentence in uh, whatever episode it was from, my country, my life, like everything, my throne, my throne, my country, my life is all on the line here. It's like, oh, 
Yeah. They do a really good job in this show of condensing things down. Like it astounds me repeatedly how good they are at telling a story in such a short amount of time. And like, I feel like the, the previously segments as well as just the intro sequence Mm. are really great examples of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. They just get, they pack so much into like less than a minute. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like how it would feel if I were to do that. If I were to write a story with that much information packed down in that much time, people would not be interested because it would be too much. But yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It Every time I watch it, I expect to be like, I don't know. What, there's a show that uh, Lost, when Lost had, I've, I've been, oh my God. a couple months ago, I was rewatching it. When they do their previously on Lost moments, by the end of the show, you're like, kind of like, okay. Because, you know, it'll be like, Kate, we have to do this. No, it's blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like music with like, and, you know, it works because of that forced music. But with Avatar, it's literally just cutting the moments together. And it, it like the music is not annoyingly uh, blockbuster. It's like it works for what we're about to see in the episode. And then the episodes themselves are like that, too, where you like, you know, it'll be in the middle of a fight and then something will happen that'll make a character stop and be like, oh, my gosh, that's blah, blah, blah. And you're like, it doesn't even feel jarring. It works emotionally. Yeah. It's one of the things like it's related to just how condensed they do. One of the things that they do so great in this, and I think the reason that so many people are such big fans of it is the world building that they do is so effective and so thorough. And they use so many different ways to do it. Like you guys talk about some of the visuals, like the opening sequence, or which is something I want to actually mention with the the opening shot of yes, this. I love Aha, you got it. <laughs> the little koala otter. Oh my koala God. otter. That's, That's all I wrote is koala otter. otter. That's, That's my so favorite like, animal ever. Can we now. can we just call it a koala? Co- 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 oh, Kawater. No. Kawater. Kawater. No. Kawater. So that's actually one yeah. of the things okay. I wanted to mention when I'm I'm talking about <laughs> world building is like. The reason I say koala otter is because they have this formula that they create in mm-hmm. the world. So you can kind of create th- like, okay, so it is clearly in the ocean. So it is an otter, mm-hmm. but it also looks like a koala. So it is a koala otter. And like when we've seen other things like that, it's like the big one that comes to mind is the platypus bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a bear acting like a bear, but it's got a platypus bill. Right. And they do that all the time in this show. And the fact that they can like just plant that one little critter in the, first second of the episode and i know immediately oh that's a koala otter yeah like, like all three of us knew just says a lot about how they've constructed this world Absolutely. yeah and i find it especially in these times of uh media that people are enjoying there's so much stuff now like movies and shows where the point of it is to explain the plot hole it's like mm-hmm. or not just the plot hole like Let's just dive into the lore to make you know exactly why, you know, okay, mm-hmm. how does bending work? We're going to spend four episodes talking about the specific, like, right. scientific qualities of bending. It's not that. It's they've ha- they have it's their organic. formula of world bend. Yeah, it's organic. And there is just so – there's a lack of organic uh, world building these days. It almost feels like one of the last things to just naturally – I don't know. I need to watch Korra too because I've heard Korra does oh, continues that world bending yeah. feeling. So, yeah. so do you guys think that uh, Sokka is self aware or being sarcastic when he's like, <laughs> "I'm not one to complain," but it's like, yes, you are, dude. Absolutely, you're one to complain. Like, I think it's one you, of those things where, as like? he said it, he meant it, and then as soon as the words <laughs> left he, his mouth, yeah, he went, "Wait a second, like, uh, hold on." <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Um, I love the way that they're stopped here. Like they're they're going through this like you know Arctic tundra, like all these icebergs and these really cool like shaped, angled, spiky kind of icebergs around them. They can't. S- they're looking actively for the northern water tribe and they're having trouble finding it and then they find them uh i love appa gets they appa's dodging these like ice things coming up as the waterbenders are like trying to catch him and then it catches one of its foot or it, it catches one of appa's feet and he does that like spiral that like helicopter mm. crashing like and I was, oh that just for some reason really affected me i was like whoa <laughs> like you really get the Size especially of this animal. no yeah he's huge that yeah. is not just like 
taking down a horse. That is a sky bison with six yeah. legs. <laughs> right. And then speaking of like organic world building, these boats come out and they're, mm-hmm. oh my God, I love the design they're of so this so cool. much because it's it's just a fucking platform. It's, it's just, I, There's no propulsion system. Duck or what? I just literally have in my notes that I took for the episode almost verbatim what you just said. Boats are just platforms. So cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, just, you know, immediately you're like, oh, well, they don't need. They don't need anything else because they just water bend around it. Like all those, all of that fills in your mind like immediately. Mm -hmm. Going over to Zhao, Mm -hmm. he has filled in his role as an admiral now. It's really cool. Like he is standing up while these, uh, all the generals are sitting down and he's telling them what they're about to do. I don't know. To me, like if you like General Zhao, or Admiral Zhao, this is one of those moments where you're like, oh, yeah, he's getting, he's he's awesome now. But we don't <laughs> like, like Admiral him. Admiral Zhao, what are you doing? Yeah, you're Who a are dick you? if you like, <laughs> like him. But if you like him as a character. Oh, sure. No, yeah. I gotcha. Big moment. Oh, man. Uh, and him describing how, like, the Water Nation, the Water Tribe, they're like a great nation. They've survived the Hundred-Year War for a reason. Like, they're hidden in this, like, really dangerous Arctic tundra. I don't know. It it helps develop because we we've talked about like going to the Northern Water Tribe before, but they haven't really talked about mm-hmm. or expanded on um, Water Nation people much more than what we know about the Southern Water Tribe. You know, mm-hmm. or the like ten people that it consists of in our world. Right. Right. Yeah. Seriously. Like, and that's why it's so incredibly satisfying to watch yeah. them arrive at these gates, dude. Those gates. That's some oh of the God. coolest design. It's oh, so cool. Man. I uh, I actually read like the director oh. commentary because that's on the fandom page. You can like oh, read yeah? the commentaries, and I read through it. And apparently, they had like a two minute sequence just of them going in, and they cut it down to like fifteen seconds. Oh. And they were like kind of pissed about it because they're like, "Yeah, we had like yeah. this whole locking mechanism and like all this stuff going on, but." I really like how they ended up doing it, and I agree. Like it, it, it did end up really cool. Still, you still get so much. Yeah, I, I just thought the the big thing that I took away from that sequence is just how much. Like you see it a little bit when you're down in the Southern Water Tribe, but here because it's just such a bigger city, mm. like it's a city as opposed to like a little village mm-hmm. that they've really just created a a city where literally everything around them can be bent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Everything. made of snow Everything. and ice. The whole it's There's... just like an earth kingdom though, you know. And the like, only yeah. things that aren't yeah. are like the occasional wooden door, which you could just right. put inside of ice and throw that. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> really funny. I, I wonder how often the doors just kind of fall down when you they know? accidentally like move a wall. It's like, like ah, we gotta, bend we gotta that. put the door yeah. up again. Yep. Oh, but the system of locks and dams and the raising and lowering of the yeah, water. Yeah, I loved how it and lowered and raised to get them through. They fill it in with the walls. The walls themselves. Yep. Yeah, they melt. Melt into. Oh my god, it's so cool! I love it so much. <laughs> it's like this is some of my favorite shit in the whole show. Like oh, me too, designs. absolutely. Especially Finding thinking out that about there was how a I minute and a it. half more. Oh yeah, there's oh, more. I wish. That gets back to the whole, you know, condensed and how good they are at showing these things. Like, yeah. I'm sure that's not an mm-hmm. uncommon occurrence. They got to yeah. do that all the time. Like, we got this whole big thing and they have to cut out down to like the 10 seconds of the two minutes yeah. that they yeah, made. Right. You're but right. that's why I it's so good. Well. Is knowing that's how to do so that well. Good. Yeah, you're right. We get a first glimpse of um, UA as they're mm-hmm. entering the town. Uh, Sokka gets a first glimpse. Glimpse. Um, I I did want to just bring something up. I uh, I'm just curious on your thoughts. I've seen UA as an example of uh, characters who are people of color needing to take on attributes of white people in order to seem more beautiful, which is hmm. it's a very interesting thing that like uh, you know as I'm trying to open up my mind uh, and the lens that I'm watching things through and notice those sorts of things. Um, you know, she's got this bright white hair against her dark skin and these blue eyes. Now, I think this gets more of a pass because uh, the blue eye thing is already um, canonical in the world. It's pre-established. Water tribe people have blue eyes. 
um, the white hair thing is also pretty established for reasons that we don't know quite yet. Um, But I just thought I would bring that up and mention it because I have seen a couple different places recently UA being used as a character as, a, as an example of that. And I do think it's interesting. Like in Atlantis. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Atlantis mm-hmm. is another... Uh, wow, I didn't even think of the design connections there. Yeah. But um, I will say, uh, pretty cool reading the commentary for this episode because that was actually mm-hmm. mentioned. Not specifically oh. how you're mentioning it, yeah. but they uh, talked about... I forget her name, but uh, I do remember that um, they praised the woman who designed Yue hmm. and the director hmm. of the episode, when he saw the first drawings of her, she had dark hair. And he oh. was like, hey, uh, hmm. she needs silver hair. And they were, and in the commentary, they're like laughing about it, just chatting about it like casually. And they're hmm. like, yeah, we were going to do uh, like really dark hair, but we knew, we didn't know exactly how, but we knew that there would be a connection to uh, which I won't spoil it, but there's, you know, a connection later that, from her hair to something else. You were definitely about to. About yeah. to, yep. <laughs> and uh, um, they knew that that was going to be integrated in some way, so mm. that was how they wanted to communicate that was her hair. But it's still, it's interesting how casually they just made that decision casually. There wasn't, like, a lot of thought put into it, and now, you know, it's something that, people think about and people point out and talk about i think that's sure. even if it's not like a purposeful like oh ugh, she's not as pleasurable let's give her lighter hair to make her more right like that wasn't the goal yeah. mm-hmm. but it can you know choices like that can uh give off that vibe and make people sure. a little bit like Ooh, i don't know if that's okay you know yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think about, like, you guys talk about the eyes a lot. Or you've mentioned it in previous podcasts, um, which I had thoughts. I'll get to it later. There's a moment I'm going to bring it up. Okay. Um, just color usage in general in this show is super cool. Um, but specifically, I think about UA. It's like, why didn't you just make her eyes silver? Oh, yeah, that could have been really cool, too. Why didn't you just put, like, a little, like, you know, a little bit silver of a glow tinge. to them? Yeah. And just make do it that way. Like, that'd be super easy. And maybe they just didn't want to call attention to the eyes. Maybe it's too mm-hmm. subtle for a kid's show specifically. Because they never do, like, explicitly, especially not thus far, but I can't remember a time later either, call attention to the eye. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the eye well, yeah, I mean, thing, but... you know, when they earlier in the season disguised, wore their, like, hoods and went into the Fire Nation, Aang with his shirt over his head, <laughs> yeah. they didn't even mention the fact that they all had the wrong color eyes to be fire nation you know they just kind of went with it so i don't even know if it's like an in world it's more just for us you know what tucker's i mean grimacing tucker has thoughts oh yeah i i, I got it okay so i just I i'm just know. gonna interject now i'm gonna move us on to the feast yes. uh, yeah because this is where i wanted to insert this anyway so we get yeah. this big feast and they have this super cool like bringing king crab to like yes. a whole new meaning mm-hmm. yes that was i wondered what dope. that was i had to like rewind and rewatch that because i was like wait did they just <laughs> <laughs> they did so uh we get this big gathering of people we've got like the royalty of this northern water tribe with i don't know if he's a king i know prince ua is a princess so i assume in, he's right. a king in the or... uh imdb which i have up right now he is chief um chief, chief. Arnuk, and he's actually played by John Ooh. Polito, who is a character actor known for like uh, the Big Lebowski and a bunch of Coen oh. Brothers stuff. He's like yeah. sought after, so it's really cool that they just got him to be the chief of the Water Tribe. You yeah, know? and he's very briefly great voice. That's cool. Great voice, very iconic. Uh, so the thing I wanted to talk about with this links into what we've been talking about with eye color, which is the use of color in this show is super fascinating. And when you guys were talking about eye color originally, I was, this was one of the moments where I was like, just kind of screaming at my phone as I listened to it. (laughs) Uh, Because what I wanted you guys to talk about is, you know, you mentioned that people have made criticisms about uh, the fact that no one notices that eye colors are different. So like, Oh, obviously your water tribe because your eyes are blue. And I was thinking, they don't even change their clothes in some instances. And the clothing yeah. is so distinct between nations. And this is the thing that I wanted to get into is that one of the things that they're really good about doing is establishing stuff visually via color. And the reason I mention it at this gathering is because the men or the more warrior like people in this culture have darker blue robes hmm. and the women, the healers have purple robes, which is a lighter, oh. more effeminate color. 
and the the commoners have light blue robes. Oh, interesting. So there's actually like a visual dichotomy that you see. Like the chief has the deepest, darkest blue robe along with Paku because they're like these kind of like warrior chief, you know. Yeah. Instances. And then you see specifically Yue is the first time you see it is she's got just, you know, vibrant purple robes. But Mm. that's kind of frequent among like you see the little girls in the healing hut later. They all have very light blue robes. The healing teacher has purple robes. So they're just really good at establishing visual cues like that. Like, I don't even know that it was necessarily intentional more than it helps you see the difference and not even necessarily know that you're using that information, Mm -hmm. which is the same thing they kind of use between tribes. Like they have color schemes for each tribe. The Earth Kingdom uses exclusively uh, green and brown tones. Mm -hmm. The Air Tribe has the yellow with red. The Water Tribe has the white and blue. And then the uh, Fire Nation has reds, blacks, and a little bit of gold, but that's only used for royalty. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, It's only used on like the most royal ships and uh, outfits and stuff like that. Totally. And my one thing that I wanted to do that's just a shout back, shout out to previous episode is the use of color in the episode uh, Jet. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Which we talked about. But yeah, please expand. Jet is an Earth Kingdom dude that had his family and his village destroyed. And he doesn't wear Earth Kingdom colors. He wears black and red. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Which signifies that whole thing of like, no, he's darker. But even if you look at, you talked about the opening shot in that sequence and the whole forest yeah. is a darker red. Mm-hmm. Is they use like more autumnal tones in that whole thing, which just is like an illusion that you don't even necessarily think about to put it in this darker scape because we've already associated those colors with the Fire Nation, which is evil. Right. Yeah, like if Jet, if that took place in a lush green forest and Jet still wore Earth Nation clothes, we would feel yep. completely different about him. Even in the end, even after doing everything he does, you would still be like, yeah, but he's Earth Nation. Like, I feel for right. this guy. Wow. I can't, I'm going to probably be watching future episodes a little differently. It's super fascinating because I start seeing it everywhere. And in some ways, I'm trying to like force it in certain places. Like I had a moment where I saw Iroh's collar has this very yellow part to it. Hmm. And it seems in a couple shots I've seen, it looks like a brighter yellow than other royalty. And so I had this whole theory about how he's not like true fire nation. He's got like <laughs> the air nation colors, which is about his wisdom and peace. Honestly, and... I don't think that's far fetched at all because like, I mean, Iroh specifically talks about other nations with a more like, open-minded perspective than like any other character on the show even at this point i think he's mentioned yeah the beauty of like water bending and yeah mm-hmm. and that now that you're saying that it kind of it's another aspect of the show that i'm thinking of i love is that it's not a show that you know when you notice the eye color you're supposed to be like Oh, so every specific, you know, they all have these eye colors and they, you know, maybe if it's more just like you said, almost a subconscious visual, like to give you the Mm -hmm. immediate understanding without having to be like that guy's water tribe. We just know he's water tribe because of his eye color. Yeah, right. That's and that's something I've uh, bringing back to my point from earlier shows and movies these days are really afraid to do stuff like that because, you know, a new that's something I could see like this apparently live action avatar show that could be coming to Netflix or not, whatever. Yeah. I don't know, (laughs) but I could totally see them not doing things like that in order to please audiences of this modern era where people would be like, but wait, wouldn't they notice, you know? (laughs) Right. See, I I almost think the fact that it's a kid's show is one of the reasons it can excel in that nature. Yeah. I agree. Kids aren't looking for like, well, there's a plot hole here. You got to exactly. explain why no one notices Suspension the clothes. Suspension disbelief is just yeah. so like, much realer when you're a kid, and that's important. Yeah. yeah, they brought back the platforms again when they're serving Appa food. <laughs> just oh yeah, they just place a giant like platform. It's their boat, food you know, in front of them. <laughs> it's just seaweed. <laughs> oh yeah, we passed um, it, but I have to mention it. Takes me five, it'll take me five seconds. Iroh's band kicks ass. Yes. And it was and, actually five seconds. Nice. Um <laughs> and the song that he's singing, the uh 
Winter, spring, spring, summer, summer and fall. <laughs> That's the episode intro. Oh, man. Um, I love that song, though, and the refrain comes back musically a couple times. It, yes, uh, like another episode. thing mentioned and in the commentary, actually. Will be, yeah, and will be actually... Uh, look out for it as you proceed yeah. into the next episodes. The uh, um, in the yeah. commentary they said that Mako, or is it is that how you pronounce his name, Mako? I think so. Yeah, is, he okay. uh, was an amazing singer. And in the commentary, I can't tell how much they're joking or not. But one of them even <laughs> was like, "Wasn't he on Broadway?" And the other one was like, "Actually, I think he might have been." But either way, they talked about in the commentary always wanting Iroh to sing, but Mako didn't ever want to. He was like, no, I don't want to sing. And they were like, but you're so good. And they would write <laughs> they moments in too. the show to make him do it. So there's a couple <laughs> moments where they like forced him to sing because he's just so good. And I oh, am God. so happy they did. I can think of a moment when he sings, but I don't want to talk about that right now because no. I don't want to have an emotional breakdown. No. Um, so... <laughs> Zhao makes his way to uh, Zuko's ship, and I love the way he's introduced. I love this shot of, uh, you know, Zuko's up against the wall in the shadow. The door opens. There's this light coming in sideways. Iroh comes in, and he says, we have a problem. And then there's the close-up on just Zhao's foot coming into the room, and I'm just like, oh, fuck yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, I love how... Zhao know, when, is when an you... amazing bad guy. When you add a like a layer of distance but details that let you know exactly what's going on, it helps the audience like make those connections in their mind, which as we've been like pointing out this whole episode, like this show is fantastic at. And that's just another mm-hmm. example of it. I just love that. <laughs> Iros <laughs> he's taking everybody. Even the cook. Yeah. Even <laughs> the cook. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Iroh stops Zuko again. He's done this yeah. uh, once before mm-hmm. from like lashing out, and he just says no. Like the that's way all he, he says no say. actually really took yeah. me by surprise. He sounded like no, like yeah, oh, like you're gonna die. I don't know. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> right. holy crap. There's an urgency. He really to cares it. in this moment. Yeah. Zhao notices these swords, which is another detail. Like dude, that shot is... got me when it when he sees him and his eyes narrow. I was like, yeah. oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Got me. There's a lot of good, like, multiple uses of a dolly zoom. And it's all animated, which is always mm. cool when shows yeah. do uh, film tricks that you can only do physically, but they animate it. There's, like, a couple, one of Zhao, and then when Zuko realizes what's going on, they kind of dolly zoom on him. It's really well, cool. Well, that is, that is interesting, though, because I feel like that it's just... I feel like it almost would be easier with animation because you just take, like, the art of the background and move it as you're wow. zooming in on the person's face. You know what I mean? It's totally. still like very well done and takes skill to execute, but just the it's idea just... that they would even think of it though is why I'm always like Right. Oh, you know, absolutely. like cuz when you're animating, I feel like thinking of an animation from the perspective of a physical film is just such a cool idea. And that's yeah. like a lot of things on the show. Another instance to bring up the commentary, but they talk a lot about how they'll be watching it and notice uh like Brian um, DiMartino, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. He's the guy oh, Brian, that like... Brian Konietzko. That's Michael oh, that's right. Sorry. That's right. I mix up their last names. <laughs> yeah. So Brian is the... He does a lot of uh, movements for the animators. So like if Sokka sits down and like puts his hand on his leg, it's actually Brian. And they were like, do you ever see yourself in the animation? He's like, oh, all the time. My hands are in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's so cool. Just like, yeah, those excellent. are my hands. And then uh, they talked about Zhao in that moment being the perfect bad guy because they got Jason Isaacs. And they were like, yeah, uh, we really wanted Jason Isaacs when we were coming up with the idea for this character. I remember telling the producer, like, I really want someone like Jason Isaacs. And their response was, how about Jason Isaacs? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah. Uh, Sure. I never thought of it that way. I love that as he's leaving the room, he addresses Iroh and says, the offer still stands. And like, Iroh is still, that gives backstory. It's A, foreshadowing. And it's B, like, backstory that like, he is still a respected general. Yeah, like if he's on your team, you're going to win. I think he lost social status as opposed to like, 
people's respect for his ability to be a general no one would pick a fight with that dude right loss of social status political status still intact kind of thing right oh yeah Uh, interesting yeah yeah I mean, I would say military status, but I feel like it's more than that because he still is respected as, you know, the right. brother of. Well, the yeah, king. like Admiral Zhao is definitely emperor. a higher rank than him, but I don't think he would fight him. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> if would Iroh... anyone volunteer to fight Iroh? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I really don't. <laughs> Agni Kai, Iroh stands up. Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There is actually a great shot, just going back a, just a second. I don't even know what it is that strikes me about it. Maybe you guys with your new lens mm. plug uh, can <laughs> give me some insight on it. But there's a moment when Zuko is saying specifically, uh, Zhao says, I didn't know you're proficient with broadswords. And Zuko just goes, "They're in, uh, I'm not. They're antiques, just decorative. Right. And there's something about that shot, the combination of the way that they animate it, the look that he's got, the the way that the the voice acting matches up with it, just something about that moment feels so real to me. Hmm. Totally. Just every time the that matching moment. of denying that. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels not just like a kids show moment of him denying it. And then Zhao mm-hmm. immediately being like, Oh, it's not him. It's like a real moment of everyone in the room feeling that tension, knowing yeah. what's yeah, going on. You can on. feel it. Yeah. Oh, so cool. So good. Uh, then we flash back over and get, uh, this sexist fuck. <laughs> Dude, he's oh, such yeah. a jerk. And they talk so, about I... it in the commentary through the whole episode. Like, yeah, he's an asshole. Laughs. <laughs> yeah, he's a jerk. Laughs. It's just like classic. On his intro, I have written Paku equals prick. <laughs> Pricku? Pricku. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't even have that much to say because honestly, it's, it's not. I mean. It's not that like intricate of a character backstory. He's just a dick. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a whole lot to say. He's just sexist and maintaining like the you know practices of their tribe. Yeah. But like, fuck this guy. And then this, also, I mean, once he does agree to like train Ang, there it, the cutaway shot at ending the scene is him just <laughs> fucking Ang up, demolishing just, like, him with a wave. He's like, all right, let's begin. And he just, just, all right, yeah. let's start. Bam! Yeah. Half drowns him. What is it? While this Ugh. is going on, Sokka is uh, oh, flirting yeah. with Yue. And I got to say, he doesn't know it, but he is smooth. I know yeah. that Katara is like <laughs> real smooth, but he is. Like, yeah. he's just being himself, which is something yep. that this show is showing kids. Like, hey, if you like someone, just be yourself. Don't try to impress them yeah. and be some different person. He's like shoveling food down his mouth when he's right. nervous. Like, <laughs> right. It's also it's also cool that like he does notice her because she's gorgeous, but like she's also cool and like teasily flirting with him. Like, what Mm. you want to do an activity, which is like what he had said nervously (laughs) at the party. Like she's like it it makes sense that he has such a crush on her because she's a charming person as well as you know good looking. And then uh, we get a flashback from a previous episode. Not a flashback, but a you know. An element coming back into play. We get these pirates again, and the fucking I cool love the pirates. Lizard yeah, the pirates. parrot. Um, yeah, oh. very cool. Uh, that guy. Mm, this is good gold. <laughs> Tasty gold. <laughs> Tasty gold. Yeah. Like he, he seriously thinks that's why people buy gold. Is just that's what I. Good. Yeah. As a little kid, I'm pretty sure I bought that then and was like, "Oh, is that why people?" <laughs> yeah. Again, um, just a small plug showing that they're completely unaffiliated. Colors of the pirate like garb, yeah. completely random, all yeah. over the board. All over the board, totally. And it's not like random for the sake of random. It's still formulaic. Mm-hmm. Like each one has like their own little like thing yep. that they can do well, and you can tell by their outfit. It's so cool. Yep. I mentioned that last time we saw them. It's I think the pirates are some of my favorite characters just because there's freedom in their designs. You know. Yeah, and then uh, when they show up at the ship, uh, we get a cutaway, which definitely I want to talk about those stuff. But that we, sequence is so fucking when awesome. When we come back, the Incredible. whole uh, oh my god, and it starts with uh, them Ira walking off the ship, and then we get that music hit as the parrot flies by. And it's yes. like just a small mm-hmm. little again, small little detail, but you're like, fuck, yep. that's what the pirates are for, and this uh, yep. blasting jelly that they load on. That whole sequence is just 
it's really compelling. And Zuko, like Iroh, but he knows it's not them. He knows something's up. Mm-hmm. So you can, like, it makes sense. He got, he, it, uh, they established that he is ahead of the jump, you know? Also, blasting jelly. I just, that's been mentioned, like, a few times on the show. We saw it in the Jet episode. We saw it, uh, maybe that is the only t- other time as of yet. But I think we even saw it in the that Air Temple episode when they were attacking, when the Fire Nation was attacking and they were, right, like, yeah. defending themselves. Mm-hmm. That's just a really cool thing in the world, blasting mm-hmm. jelly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I, I don't know much about like weapons and explosives but i don't think that that's necessarily it might be based on a a type of explosive that exists but i don't know i i think it's one of the coolest things because it's just this consistent way that they use explosives on the show and it's a jelly so it's always filled they fill a barrel with this jelly and i don't know it's nothing, but it's it's huge to me. Just every time it comes back, I'm like, oh, cool, blasting jelly. It, I was just going to say it almost seems like they almost maybe started it as a joke because the yeah. first time it comes up is in the Jet episode where they say, oh, this has got don't blasting jelly. This one's jelly candy. Oh, yeah, don't mix those up. <laughs> yeah. Don't mix them up. But then uh, they're like, like, it was a joke, uh, but then just they just continue to use it. Yeah. yeah. But now we see it in action, and it blows up the ship, and I don't know how, like, I'm pretty sure in that first moment, like, Iroh doesn't know that Zuko got out. He thinks he's dead. Yeah, yeah they cut away just in time, because I know in that moment, he probably right. just broke down. Oh, yeah. that, that poor guy. shot with just Iroh standing in front of the fire wreckage. Oh, my God. Zuko! And there's a drum beat. Mm-hmm. And then silence. Yep. Oh. It's incredible. So Very effective. Um... I am, and they do like nine shots of the explosion. I'm so sorry, but it's like (laughs) (laughs) very Michael Bay. You know, it's It's like a it's like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, yeah, right. I love it. Um, okay. As much as like uh, waterbenders should be able to, uh, you know, utilize all of their abilities and not just one facet based on their, you know, gender. That healing thing is so cool. Like you can tell there's specific cool. like locations on this model that like it's definitely linked to like I chakras, have a little insight. which are, you know, in uh they, Eastern they, uh, theology. I keep yeah, doing this up? and I apologize. Uh, in the commentary. <laughs> in the commentary. So say, yeah. <laughs> I think we need to start reading these commentaries because yeah, a I lot of it keeps coming up. Uh mm-hmm. so the way that they designed that moment was she's flowing water to each acupuncture point they're acupuncture yeah. points that's what i and was that's, thinking, mm. thinking it was, so yeah. it's like it is totally a specific design that that and she's teaching them because when you think about that like if she's putting water into this dummy and then using it to show the different acupuncture points she's probably teaching these kids about like blood flow muscle structure the nervous system because it's literally she's using her water to like show how healing works. I don't know. It's it's really interesting when you think about it. And it's really interesting to think about how earlier in the show we were kind of under the impression that that's a super rare gift that some water yeah. tribe members have. But here it's almost like just being taught to any young girl. Yeah. You wonder, can they all learn it? Or do only a couple of them have the ability after being taught? Well, know. it's interesting. It's interesting because we get that information from uh, Zhang Zhang, who yeah. is not, you know, not like, water. How tribe. would he know? You know, how would he know how common, you know, that is in the firebending nation? Like, clearly, they're very secretive, and that has been to their advantage. You know, they're very mm-hmm. insular. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot to unpack there, but I have a question. Um, what is Paku even fucking doing out there when Ang shows her is like showing her the water bending, and then he just shows <laughs> He's up. There. He's just in the middle of the night. He's just on like an archway over where they're practicing. What is he doing there? Yeah, he's did he like? Was he just in the middle of the night? Like, I bet he's gonna just show her. Like, what? That's the impression I got. Honestly, I mean, he's. Clearly established as a prick. That's got to be his. Old... What else does he have to do? I've got some good head. Fuck with some good head cannon here. An idea, maybe. Sure. So we learn that he is a 
sad man beyond just being uh aggravated <laughs> and addicted. that's true we'll get to that maybe he's doing like a nightly sad walk oh. <laughs> just like walking all oh. sad and alone and then he looks down and sees a connection between two people that he never could have so he gets all pissed about it also yeah really cool right. waterbending in this episode is uh really emotional which i love mm. so mm. like in this moment mm. when he grabs their water and then makes it drop he can just like it could just be dispersed in the air it could fall as water onto the ground but he makes it fall as like blades into the yeah. bridge in front of him because mm -hmm. he's pissed you know mm -hmm. and that continues to happen later when uh he's emotional D depending on his emotion you can clearly see it in his water bending more than almost any other character so far it's really cool can we just uh get right to this battle i mean yeah, yeah let's they, they skip they on take over take the, the the two of them they're trying to make katara apologize and she's like come fight me if you're man enough it's like fucking baller super great especially given the context of like boy versus girl in the episode right yeah it's like just calling him out like all right you think you're so fucking tough yeah. Come fight me, and bitch. that's not, and it's cool because she totally would never say something like that. But she's no. using his tactics against him. Like, okay, exactly. you're sexist. Well, yep. then, if you're man enough, yeah, it's awesome. It's so okay. Awesome. Also, she properly like manipulates him into it because she's using his own like tactics. You know, so she knows uh, he's sexist, you know, so she knows yeah. he'll be uncomfortable. And with then, that. like, as he's walking away, even not wanting to do it, she like whips him in the back of the head and stuff. But also, this <laughs> is a fucking like senior citizen like master of waterbending fighting a 14 year old girl or a 13 year old girl and she kind of kicks this ass. guy and she right? kicks his ass so like they are neck and neck and he hasn't even taught yeah. her anything and she... i think it's cool because you've seen we've seen her practicing but there's definitely some moves that come out of her here that is just her like mm -hmm. Her figuring ability flowing through, figuring out how to fuck this guy for being such a prick. Yeah, totally. There's something that I wanted to talk about in general that I think really comes up in this episode, which is, well, first of all, does Katara really need this dude? Wow, like, after that point. fight, like, why do you want to learn from him? You're you're doing pretty good against a dude that's apparently dedicated his life to waterbending. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true, and I didn't even think of that. So, he almost cuts his head off at one point. Right? Yeah. Those discs. Okay. Yeah, I his so face cool. was oh. so afraid. I have <laughs> notes for a bunch of different moves. Move or oh, Am yeah. I interrupting a point? There was, yeah, I did want to get to something, which is yeah. just the theme of what do you think waterbending actually is? Because they, they keep talking about going to find this master to learn waterbending. And the fact that she's able to do so much without having learned anything from him. What is... Ben, I mean, do, we can get into this discussion really deep if we want. Probably don't have a ton of time for it. But what is bending in general? Is it f the channeling of emotion? Is it the channeling of creativity? Is it actually learning? Like, is it martial arts? Like, you have to know the forms and moves? It doesn't seem like that. Otherwise, Katara wouldn't be able to innovate like this. Yeah, like Is the, it a combination like of them? Like, she, like, flies up off the wave and does a backflip and lands all gracefully. Like, yeah. she's not a martial artist, but she's able to do that because of her bending skills. Really right. interesting to think about. Yeah, I, I don't probably, know. Yeah, I don't. We we definitely could get into it. We could devote a whole episode just to, which maybe we will. Like, I think yeah, that could a, be fun. An episode cool. about the um, just the about like philosoph bending philosophy is. of bending. Yeah, yeah. Do like you know your whatever other movie you're gonna do, and then do like a what is bending philosophic episode. Sure. Uh, could be cool. an Avatar special. Um, mm -hmm. Well. There's so many cool moves in here that I, I, we don't even really have time to talk about all of them, too. But, like, <laughs> you know, even just the way it begins with those two giant pools of water, all the times, like, the ramps and the freezing and the freezing water around the feet to get a better stance. To get a better grip, yeah. The discs, so, uh, which we touched on, which are dope. In the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they mentioned how they wanted it to look like a... Uh, extremely extremely naturally gifted street fighter versus someone who's dedicated their time to one mm. form so he's oh. like when you look at his bending it's all very similar to itself like he does these it's all moves. very flowing and like, yep yeah mm -hmm. like the push you know, and pull the... is what he's yeah. trying to teach her that's all he uses right. where her moves mm -hmm. some of them almost feel like a different style of martial arts because it's literally street <laughs> she fighting freezes a cylinder of water and flicks off right. discs at him like yeah that's... like he was not about to do anything like that you know and it's it shows how her 
natural ability far exceeds that mm. of maybe any other bender on the show. She just is so naturally gifted. There is a cool thing that I don't we can't get too into because it does come from a later episode, but uh there is a point where Iro talks about using the styles of other bending yeah. like forms to influence your own bending, which says to me that it, it there's so much diversity in what you can do and within think, a form of bending. Yeah, and she almost seems to just and not know that literally, but be uh, in tuned to that. She's aware yeah. subconsciously that she can just innovate. Paku's traditional. She's inventing Katara style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Katara style. I love it. It feels a little, uh, I don't know, not quite satisfying enough for me that the way it's resolved is that he finds her necklace and like he's the one her... Or her grand grand Kana was betrothed to. It's kind of just like, oh, I was in love with your grandma. Okay, I'll teach you now. And then there's that that like ending scene. <laughs> yeah, where, where he's like, she runs up here. and he's like, late. Well, yeah, right, you're late. Like, let's get started. And then they're like, haha. And they look at each other and it's like, everything's cool now. And it's like, why? Like, yeah, what? he he yeah. doesn't totally deserve the redemption arc he's awarded. For a but, kids show, it's like good enough. Kids, but yeah, re- it's, right. it's like one of those Almost things. Not. The redemption arc is a trope, you know, and yeah. mm-hmm. it's hard to avoid something like that when it's so perfectly set up. Too, you know, having yeah. that redemption in the end, as much as it doesn't feel natural, maybe feels like the right story beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like in this kind of, I mean, when we're talking about how good they are condensing stuff, that is one of the concessions you have to make is you have to kind of lean into tropes. Yeah, because um, that's something that a a person is already ready for. You're ready yep. to experience that, and it will work. Right. You're right, exactly. And speaking of that, when you're kind, we also so we finish up after we get to that point. We do finish up the kind of Sokka UA bit for the episode, which right. I felt was super tropey in general. And got, yeah. like, a little offensively into the, like, emotional, wishy-washy girl to stereotype. Oh, which absolutely. Is not oh, when yeah. she randomly like, just, like, I just don't like, want runs to. Off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was it's like, hey, come meet me. No, I don't want to. Offensive, yeah. Like, yikes. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any justification yeah. for I'm, that. I will say I like Sokka. Yeah. He is a cool guy in this situation, rather than being a stereotype. I mean, there are things he does that are, like, what you would expect him to do. But, I don't know, there's something about him in the moment where he goes up to her and he's like, I just want you to know that I think you're beautiful, and I really think you're cool, and I understand. As much as it's like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm glad he didn't just, like, run up to her and kiss her or something. I don't know. He told her how he feels. And it's Mm -hmm. really nice to see someone so insecure and, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Just be like, I'm going to tell you how I feel. (laughs) Sokka has emotional maturity in this moment. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting for him. Yeah, it is. But, like, we've seen his capacity for that. And now we see it, like, in action. Like, in certain moments, we've seen it throughout the show. And now we're seeing it. Absolutely. We, uh, We get... The resolution that Zuko's alive. I loved him in the mask. And you see, that like, the so bruised cool. eye, and you're like, wait, Zuko, wait, but he, it's the other, and it's a burn, and then he takes it off, and it is Zuko. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys had that process too, but I was like, I kind of did. Especially I mean, I also, because who else would it be? But like, <laughs> well, right. you know, this time watching it, I went into, I try, lately when we've been watching the show, I've been trying to force myself to think of this as the first time I'm seeing it. Sure. And, like, I was genuinely like, okay, are they going to, like, resolve this Zuko thing? Because I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, I rose in pain. And then that moment was so satisfying for me. And, like, yeah. not just because it's like, okay, Iroh helped him out. They had a plan. Like, there's a plan yeah. now. He right. probably was standing there during that fire and then heard Zuko swimming or saw him and was like, thank God. And then Zuko swam up and was like, all right, this is what we got to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, right. now I'm just so excited for whatever that plan is. Oh, yeah. Also, um, is this the first time Iroh has openly been like, and then you'll capture the Avatar? You know what I mean? Oh. Like, up until now, he's yeah, been like be. Zuko's friend and been his mentor being like, 
this is obviously what you're like... doing. I'm here for you. But he's almost right. seemed like a guy who cares more about Zuko's well-being than his quest. And right in this moment, he's like, hey, you're going to do this and I'm helping you do it. Right. I don't know. It, it was powerful to me. Like, and oh, shit, leaves... he's going to do it. It leaves great anticipation for the next episode, which there's a lot of elements uh, leading in anticipation for the next. Mostly this last shot of the entire Fire Nation fleet coming to the the pillars of fire coming out of like one at a time, each one of them Mm -hmm. starting and that's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yikes. Can I just say the one thought I had? This was actually the first time, it's the only time I've thought of it, because I've seen the series a number of times myself, mm-hmm. but this was the first time I thought of it. Why would you pick the time to invade as when the Avatar is there? Wouldn't they be their strongest when they have the Avatar on their side? Do you want to invade after he's gotten all of the training in waterbending and, like, gained it, more knowledge and stuff? And he's just a kid. Like, that's, I think that's the thinking behind sure. it. Like, that's the justification I immediately no. think of, but... You're I right. think a perfect I mean... <laughs> plan, if Zhao were a little faster and a little more cunning, he would have invaded and ambushed Aang and the gang. So they would yeah. come yeah. assuming, oh, we're at the Northern Water you know, tribe, and then all right. of a sudden it's just Fire Nation, and they've got right. him. I think the one thing that I came to when I had that thought was that I don't, it occurs to me that I don't know that he's aware of even what the Avatar state is. Oh, yeah. yeah I don't think anyone, like... There's so Other much Zuko, of that maybe. that people don't fully understand. Yeah. Um, I don't think like, anybody knows what the Avatar state Yeah, like in the in moment the when he went right into now. it, uh, in that first episode or second episode, when he like mm-hmm. had that swirling water under him, mm-hmm. I think Zuko in that moment just assumed, oh, yeah, he's a really good waterbender too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Think about how scary that would be if you're like fighting someone and then all of a sudden their eyes started glowing and they just got 12 times better at fighting and you're like wait is this normal wait, hold on what uh, i want one uh, <laughs> i guess it's about time for our kid moment of the week isn't it yeah kid moment of the week uh tucker did you also uh keep this in mind in your watching of the episode i did well i did yeah. i have uh, two i have two possibilities all right uh how about you uh start lay them on us all right sure uh, so there's the first one I think is pretty obvious, which is when they're in the hut and Sokka comes back, Yue has been wishy-washy mm-hmm. and they're saying, or they decide for uh, Katara to learn waterbending at night with Aang mm-hmm. and she goes, everybody's happy. And Sokka just goes, I'm not happy. Yeah. <laughs> you're never happy. Yeah. You're yeah. Never happy. Yeah. Totally. You're never happy. The other one is uh, in the middle of the Katara-Paku fight. There's a moment where she diverts a giant stream of water and it goes into this crowd and just nails Sokka. Oh, yeah. yeah it's got to be that. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. that. That's what I wrote, yeah. too, actually. That's, I think, like, the funniest thing. Because, you know, dude, Sokka just has crap karma. Because that has nothing yeah. to do with, like, <laughs> like I don't think uh, Katara was that skilled that she was like, I'm not only going to defer this wave, but I'm going to specifically attack my brother because he annoys me. Yep. I'm pretty right. sure that was just karma, you know? Yeah. It's just because he's such a, you know, Sokka. The he's fortune like, teller <laughs> was right. Wow. Well, uh... Man, Tucker, thank you for joining us. Joining us Dude. on this episode, this has uh, been a blast. Thank yeah, you so cool. much for having me. This has been super fun. I hope I didn't dominate things too much. Oh, not at but all. It's just... It was a great flow, I thought. But uh, I agree. Excellent. I hope the audience feels the same way. You can let us know in the comments section on legendary4.com uh, on any of the individual blog posts uh, or podcasts. I I don't know. It's Technically a blog through Squarespace. It doesn't matter. I'm revealing the curtain too much. Uh, but do keep a lookout. And we'll be you know, uploading links as, as they come out for uh, Tucker's new podcast. Fun. And you can hear me on the first episode of that coming up. Gary and I have another podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Want to do the Space Vampires thing? Space vampires. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I always forget. That's Love no, that. No, that's good. All right. There Space you go. vampires. <laughs> uh, so that's another thing you can vampires. look into. Yeah, there you go. There it was. We, we've got guest voice <laughs> vampire. <laughs> uh, 
Um, thank you all for uh, listening to this extended episode. We had to, you know, get a little more time for uh, an additional voice in here. Um, yeah, we appreciate you listening. Uh, we are for the next, I, I think for the rest of this, like, first season, as we finish season one of Avatar, and we have a couple other things planned for afterwards um, for our sort of, you know, in-between season thing that will still be in season one of our show. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> All of that Are you for the rest of it uh, because of scheduling, because Gary's actually in Minnesota here um, and not with his usual setup. We're going to be doing every week. So we're not going to be going back to the uh, double a week uh, for a little bit. But um, yeah, so you can look out for uh, the episode on both of the two parts of the finale of this incredible season uh, coming next Sunday. Uh, and on that apologies if my uh audio quality is different i don't know if it'll be worse or better it might just be different i'm using a different mic probably won't last longer than the next uh you know three or four episodes but yeah i thought i'd point it out in case you're like why does gary sound like he's in a tunnel why does he sound like a butt yeah (laughs) hey that guy sounds like a butt (laughs) (laughs) well uh Tucker, thanks again for coming on. Uh, This has been uh, A New Lens. I'm Gary. (laughs) And I'm Tucker. (laughs) And also me. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We're keeping it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching with your ears. Have a good time. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.